Hello, 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 everybody. It's time for a podcast. Today on uh, on the show, we have Mr. Jason Donnell. Jason, how you doing? Doing good, Dale. Uh, glad to, to be here and excited to talk about some BMX. Right on. No, I know you've got deep history and um, I love doing you guys, as uh, you probably heard on some of the... Have you been listening to some of the last ones? Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm a big fan of your, of your podcast and uh, a podcast in general, so I've caught up on the... Uh, the last few that you did, and it's good stuff. Yeah, no, and you're like, I, I look, say, I, I love the, the 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 Eric Carters, and you know, we just did Hayden, and you were part of that, all that era. So we've got, uh, and and moving on even after that, you know, into your pro career. So we've got so much to uh, to chat about. Um, so I guess we'll go back to the start. Where did it all start, Jason? Well, I was just a wee lad. I was five years old. My dad, uh, at the time, this was 1981. And he was just kind of wrapping up his his drag boat racing career. He was a world record holder in the 60s and 70s in drag boats and kind of to this day still a a flat bottom guru. Wow. And uh, anyway, so he was a racer and my brother had gotten, him and his buddies had gotten into it, into BMX. This is 1981. We were in Orange County, California, and um, I had just learned how to ride a bike um, my dad actually took one of my brother's frames and chopped it up, made it so it fit me. That's what I learned on. And Jeff and I, my mom went to La Mirada, if anyone remembers that track. And that was that was my first race. I remember Jeff and I, we had we had sticks, or, or we we had to share a set of pads that went on the cross tube. And to make mine fit, we had to sh- shove sticks in there. Just, oh wow. Just random memory, but I was five years old and, and just loved it, and it was uh, off to the races after that. So Orange Y, obviously your first track, your first, uh, yeah, you, you went right to the most iconic, uh, maybe not quite at the time, but it, I'm sure it was starting to be. So being being part of that scene right off the bat, who were some of the first guys that you met out there? Or do you even remember maybe who your, your parents I, or your brother yeah. told you? Yeah. It's kind of a blur when yeah. I was five, and then I remember, so I was five, and, and I kind of worked my way up till I was competitive. And, and, uh, at that time it was five beginner. They didn't even have an expert class. And then I got, I turned six and my first national was in Washington and I just, uh, got picked up by Powerlight. Steve Rink, uh, the owner of Powerlight. Um, he had, he had picked me up and flew my dad and my parent or my parents and myself up there and six X and that was it. First, first national, and then we were all in after that, hitting, hitting all the nationals. But as far as the Orange Y, Orange y scene, it was huge. It was huge. Sunday, Wednesday, Friday nights, you know, 50 motos, the who's who. Um, it was it was a big deal. Yeah. And you, let's say you, you went factory pretty much straight off the bat, right till right till the end. So how long was you on Powerlight for? And then, uh, yeah, I think it was GT after that, right? Yeah, I, was, I did a short stint with Bassett. Uh, between Powerlight and then we we hit a national in Texas and I won uh, 6x both days and then I guess the story goes that Monday Rob Fade uh, Hall of Famer came to came to our door and asked my dad if I'd ride for GT Wow! and gave us the full deal 6 expert GT my first race was the next weekend or after that in Elkhart Indiana and uh, it was it was awesome it was it was a it was you know, just BMX was booming at that time. It was it was growing. It was huge. And when you go back east, you know, we were just we were little superstars. I was on the team with Jeff Schofield, 
he was a couple years older than me and he was, you know, if you recall, he, he was an awesome, you know, little oh, kid, yeah. just great style and good looking kid. And, you know, kind of rode with his coattails a little bit and, and, uh, we just hit up nationals and I remember signing autographs before I could write cursive. Wow. And kind of getting made fun of for that, but six, seven years old, go back there. Parents just, you know, cause that was the, the, the days before, obviously, you know, cell phones, computers and this and that it was all, it was all magazines. And do you remember like being in the magazine again? Like, oh, you were so young at the time. Did you, rec- you know, did your parents save the magazines? Did you see it? Obviously you still see, I'm sure you see a lot on social media and, when we post this interview, you're gonna, you guys, Gork just sent me again, as he has been for the last bunch of interviews. He just sent me a whole, um, yeah, some some awesome pictures of you from back in the um, early days. Did you remember that, or is that, yeah, yeah, alongside the racing, the magazine stuff that was going on? Yeah, I have I have spotty memories. It was always cool when when a, the magazine would come out and like a BMX Action or or uh, BMX Plus, I think was was back then. Um, bike, bicycles and dirt, and they'd come out, and it, especially if for me as a six-year-old and a seven-year-old getting, um, you know, getting magazine pictures and stuff, it was awesome. And I, I do remember it. I do remember getting that and, you know, me and my parents looking at it and being stoked on it. It was, it was all, you know, just a great time. Yeah, I could, I could only imagine, you know, seeing, because again, you like, like, like I said with Hayden and, and Eric Carter, Billy Griggs, you know, that's where, you know, me, are we? Or um, you know, in England, we were we were looking at you guys at such a such a young age, or you know, just from from over there in England and seeing you guys in the mags, and yeah, you guys were you didn't even know that you know probably what what you, you, you guys around the world was actually seeing you guys, you know, which was probably super cool. Um, what again? Are you are you were so young. Do you know what kind of deal you was getting with GT and? Um, yeah, that that first ride, or was it was it yeah, like so- dream team dream team right off the bat? Well, that was that was uh, at that time. Greg Hill was the pro, and you know, team trophy was a big deal in those days. Throughout the '80s, the teams were all about chasing the team trophy title. So there was, you know, every national they'd score points, and and based on results of four riders, you know, it would be uh, was how they scored it. And and so, you know, it was it was not only were you on the team, but you're expected to win. And you know, it was it, it was a lot of pressure. Um, which I, I enjoyed it, but um, as far as the deal, it was basically flying me and a parent to all the races. Wow. You know, all expenses paid, and those were the glory days of flying. You know, DC tens and the waitresses were dressed up, or the stewardesses <laughs> were dressed up, and, right. and just you know, you'd meet people. It, it would just be like a party on the plane, and you know, the kind of the, the tail end of the glory days of flying and stuff. And I remember some of that, and it was it was a blast. But yeah, it was it was me and a parent. All expenses paid all the nationals, um, all the way to, I remember six X or six expert grands was my, my last race as a six year old. And I won, I tripled there one, um, you know, my age group title was top 15 and, and all amateur. And we won team trophy that year. And it was just, uh, it was top of the world, man. And then you went to GHP. So what happened with GT and yeah, how did it, uh, how did the GHP thing go at the start? So I was seven and 83. Things are going along middle of summer, I believe, as I recall, kind of remember it, but Rich Long sat my dad and I down and uh, he said, we're going to pick up this kid, Britta dude. I don't even know if you remember him. But oh he yeah, was, yeah. Hutch, right? Before that. Yeah. Well, he was, yeah. yeah. So he was GT before Hutch and he was a okay. little badass dude and he was kind of my, you know, my, my arch rival and my dad and I were bummed and the first, the first race 
that Brett rode for GT and, you know, we raced each other. I remember being at Nashville, you know, where they had the, Mur the Murray Cup. Mm -hmm. And during the, um, the national anthem, he pulled the chair out from under me <laughs> and, and thought it would be funny. And I just tackled him and we, and we started fist fighting, fisticuffs, full on. <laughs> the parents breaking it up during the national anthem. You know, my mom's sitting there, she's crying. And uh, so that was, I don't know, just looking back, I, I think, you know, we were just, we both wanted to win. And, and uh, anyway, so towards the end of 83, Greg had started GHP, Greg Hill. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad and Greg were, were buddies and, and Greg wanted us to go over there. And he gave me, I remember after the grands in 83, we had, we had dinner and uh, he gave me his book that had just come out. His, if, if you remember that it yeah. was, I, I forget the title, but so he gave me that, signed it, you know, yours truly Greg Hill. And that, that guy was my idol and, and he was always so good to me. So we said, of course. And he also gave me for, so 1984 was GHP and he gave me my own signature frame, wow. which I think was a first for, you know, a mini little kid to have their own signature model frame. And he, um, we did a contract and I got $2 per bike sold Wow! for that year as an eight year old. And that was and probably when it was starting to really boom as well, wasn't it, right? Yeah. BMX was huge. You know, we'd go do the summer tours in the summertime, do the, you know, Florida's all the way up, up the coast, Midwest. And it, it was, it was an event. Every, every national was, was huge, you know, especially us on the West coast. We were, we were rock stars and, and it was it was a blast. It was fun. Now, was, did, did you can did you again? You're too young to know, or even you know know what was happening. The money you was making already at such a young age. Did your parents put that in an account and save it, or was you buying toys? Or um, <laughs> yeah, they did. They they set up a trust account or something like that and saved it. And I I, I don't ever remember what happened to it, but um, I, you know I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't spending it right on yeah. And so, tell us a little bit more GHP then, being on the road with, obviously we've seen the, we, we talked to Hayden a few weeks ago, uh, he talked a little bit about being on, on the same team as you, and we saw the pictures, the team pictures, and the, the ads and stuff, uh, how, how, how long was you on GHP, and yeah, tell us a little bit about, um, yeah, being part of that, uh, again, another iconic team, I mean, every team you've been on is iconic, but uh, GHP for sure, you know? Yeah, it's crazy to look back and think that, you know, you're a parent now, and I'm a parent, five and seven, two boys that are five and seven, I was eight years old and you know, my parents sent my brother and I on tour with Greg and, and Hayden wow. and Charlie Williams in a van. And uh, my brother was only 12 or 13 at the time. And we were gone for six weeks, seven weeks, oh all, the, yeah. all across the country in this, in this, you know, 10, 12 passenger van. Mm -hmm. And uh, we ended up in New York. Actually, we stayed in New York for a few, a few weeks, three or four weeks. Sal Echol was, was our team manager. And uh, actually, Mark Pippen was at the beginning of the of the uh, the team. I don't know what happened to that, but anyways, just you know, hit the races every weekend, and then it started to uh, something happen. I I listened to Greg Hill's podcast not too long ago, and and obviously I didn't know the 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 inner dealings of it all, but but the team ended up folding towards the end of the year, and um, but it was really cool. He Greg gave me not only did I get that deal on on the signature frame and and the cut of the, you know, the unit sold, but he gave me his YZ80, 1982 YZ80 as, as a gift. Wow, that, that's so cool. That he had won, I think, in Pontiac in like 81 or 82 or something like that at some big race. So 
and that's the the bike I learned how to ride a motorcycle on and stuff. So that was that was a pretty cool deal. Yeah, super cool. And then after GHP, and this is where it kind of again, like so many of you guys, my first um, you know sighting of you was uh, CW. 1986, you guys come over, you come over with EC and uh, Townsend uh, on CW. Oh, he was on Hutch, but you, you guys were all still at the same time. But he was on CW, World Championships, 1986, Slough, England. And uh, yeah, you'd already won the Worlds uh, the year before, I think, in Canada. So tell us about maybe maybe you do remember a little bit about that. Maybe it's starting to come into... Yeah, that's, that's when I start to remember some details. And it's funny because, yeah, so 1985... We went over to CW, and um, at that time it was Chicken George Seavers, if you remember him. Yeah. He was a. Uh, he went to school with uh, Jason Richardson, so Jason was telling me. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But, you know, he was he was a dominant amateur. So again, it was like with me and Schofield, it was in GT, it was me and uh, Seavers on CW, and um, and then later in Healy, and you know, going for team trophy and and all that. But anyway, so Canada was Whistler Canada was the 1985 World Championships. And I remember going to that race. And I, I mean, I was nine years old. And I didn't know what race I was going to. And I, and I, and I get there. And we show up and there's all these flags and all these people talking different languages. And I just, I didn't know, I didn't know, I, I my parents might have said, you're going to the World Championships. But, you know, to me, that was just a word. And uh, so I raced Saturday. And, and, through the motos and I'm like, wow, it started, it started to build on me that this is a big race. Mm-hmm. And then I end up winning Sunday, the world, the world championships as a, as a nine year old in Whistler. And it was just a, it was just an awesome experience. And so, yeah, so the next year I of course went to Slough England for the worlds again. And again, thinking about being a parent, looking back, it's funny because I, my parents sent me, I don't know why they didn't go. Maybe, maybe money was tight, whatever, but I went with the Carters, Eric Carter and his parents, mm-hmm. flew there. They they dropped me off to uh, with Roger Warsham, who was the owner of CW at the time. And he took me around to bike shops through London. And they had, I don't think, I think CW had had a decent present, didn't they? Back yeah, then? Hot Wheels was, uh, would have yeah, been Hot seen, Wheels. Yeah. yeah, yeah, down in Bournemouth. So, um, yeah, that was a big, big shop in the distribution for a lot of brands back then, free agent CW. And, uh, yeah, they were really big at the time. So, so he, so we do the bike shop tour thing and then he drops me off with some random family (laughs) and I stay there for a week with this family and it's just fun looking back and I didn't know these people and they were nice and everything and it it was a good time. Do you remember the names or anything? I don't, I don't. I just remember there was a Smith's, one of the, one of the uh, teenagers had a Smith's poster hanging up on the wall. (laughs) But, uh, so yeah, I won, won the world championships there and that was that was cool that was awesome and then at, at the end of the race they had this drink that was like half lemonade half beer or something right. and i had that <laughs> London and, line, and, maybe <laughs> yeah. and i was pretty stoked that i could get my hands on that so <laughs> it, it was a party and you battled with uh, again it was the first uh, first time we saw daniel sprague as well so you guys had a little uh, world uh, rivalry for the next couple of years right yeah we did we did we he was he was a fast kid little kid at that time mm-hmm and uh, he got second that at that race, and then the next year in Florida, he he won the world. I didn't make the main. I crashed in the semi, and and he won the worlds then, and, and then the, the year after that. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit more CW because like just some of the people on that team when you was on there. Obviously, um, uh, Townsend was on then. Toward was he on at the same time as you, or he he came on after Hutch, right? So about eighty seven ish. 
Yeah, so 80, 85 was was George Seavers, myself. Uh, Sean Texas was the pro. Okay. Another summer tour. Some funny stuff there. Remember, we were, you know, five of us would pile in a, in a motorhome and, and go on tour for eight weeks. And my dad and Sean Texas went, went at it all the time. And, and there, was a, there was a time where he just, we're on, the, we're on the highway, and my dad just says, get out get out to Sean, Texas. And he grabs his bags and he steps out and he's on the side of the road and he just gets in the motorhome and takes off. Classic. <laughs> and, uh, he calls, you know, Sean, Texas calls Roger Warsham and that. But anyway, just, just, just funny stories. I mean, living in a motorhome with, you know, from all the way from eight years old to, you know, 28 and close quarters and all that. But, uh, the next year, 86 was 1986 again, was kind of the same lineup. That's when NHE came on. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then at the Grands in 1986, we were up for team trophy, CW was. And I was leading, going into the second to last turn, and he was in second. And if that were to stay the same, we would have won team trophy, which was a huge deal. I mean, that was the whole Right. That's that's why the factories put all the money into the into the teams and uh-huh. you know, sent us everywhere. But anyway, he he crashed me. He 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 dive bombed me and took us both out. Oh. And uh, so we lost team trophy. What did you and, guys say? Did you guys have words or? Oh yeah, tempers were flared and and <laughs> you know we were angry and and they were angry and so that was the start of um, so so after that George Seavers. Mike Seavers, uh, George's dad, went over. To, they went over to GT, and they had asked me to go over with them. And I, I guess we had said we'll stay with CW. And then my dad uh, became team manager in 1987 to CW. So and he went over to GT. Mm-hmm. And uh, but anyway, I mean, you know, years down the road, and he's and he leaves one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And it, it wasn't about mm-hmm. about that, but it's just uh, that was that was a big deal. It was it was in the magazines and. And all and all that, but anyway. So 1987, my dad is is the team manager, and he picks up, um, he picks up riders and, and forms an awesome team. And it was Charles Townsend, it was Eric Carter, it was Justin Green, wow. uh, and some others. And that was that was a really good year. That was fun, a fun year. And and you know, I started growing up at that time. I'm 11 years old and getting to hang out with those guys, and you know, kind of kind of uh, just growing up in the sport, and it was, it was a lot of fun. And your dad was, uh, I know Wildman's talked about it numerous times, and I, and I remember <laughs> reading about it in the magazine as well, so your dad literally kicked uh, Todd Lyons, the Wildman, off CW, so uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so the Wildman gets picked up halfway through, or some, some part of the way through 1987, and then again, we're up for, for the team trophy at the NBL, for the NBL title for the team. And... Uh, we're lined up to win it, and all Todd had to do was get like a sixth. And he crashed in the first turn with a couple other riders, and he's slow to get up. And he let everybody go so he could do a 360 or a, or a no-hander or something over the, the pro doubles, right. you know, typical wild man style. Mm-hmm. He ended up losing team trophy over that, so my dad kicked him off, which, which is, you know, it's a funny story. Can you remember that up. going down? Was you there, or was it straight away, or it happened like days later? Um, I think it was right there. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad must have been so pissed. Yeah, he was pissed. <laughs> but probably, probably the best thing ever happened to the wild man. Yeah, yeah. It's always good to, good to, any wild man story is always uh, classic. Um, oh. 
so tell us again, you as again, let's talk a little bit about as we as we go through the years. Again, and you should rem- start remembering more of this stuff now. Orange, Orange Y, SoCal, you know, um, just everything BMX, just BMX Paradise at the time. Um, and yeah, tell us a little bit about your brother was racing as well. He rode for Revcore, right? Yeah. So Jeff, uh, we started at the same time. He started as he was seven years older than I was, and he really started getting good in in his later probably later teens, uh, 17x, which was a big class back then. So 87, 88. Um, like I said, Eric Carter was 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 on the team, and then Jeff was on Revcore, which CW became Revcore in '89. It was a the same owner, just changed names for whatever reason. But it was a great time, you know that that uh, that era of of older amateurs with like Hayden and and Mike King and um, Dave Colinan and on and on and on, you know Darwin Griffin, Tanette, um, just 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 so just a, a great crop of riders and Glenn Pavosky and, and the cool thing was is you know Jeff was buddies with with these guys and they'd come over to the house and. So these guys were like my big big brothers. I mean, I remember Lopes, Brian Lopes picking me up from school with motors with both of our motorcycles in the back and going riding. You know, uh, Coley would pick me up and we'd go golfing, and I was like their little brother. Mm-hmm. And it was just a it was a great time. And 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 then the orange scene at that time was kind of the tail end of of the big moto counts. And you'd go there and it would be, you know, it'd be like a national. Mm-hmm. There would be four or five factory riders in every class, and. Um, and it was just, it was a scene and, and every, you know, and I, I think that's, it was a hotbed. Southern California was a hotbed of BMX in those times. And, and, you know, kids got faster because the competition was high. Mm-hmm. And you literally could ride there from your house, right? I could. Yeah. And actually I did. I used to ride from my house. I was, I was truly an orange white local. Wow. That's so I, I, Yeah. Yeah. We used to, we used to do that. We used to ride down and down it was about a 10 minute ride from my house and so I, did you live like at the bottom of chapman where that hill was at the side where they yeah, yes like, okay because yeah i went i and i think I, I i remember reading about the pros training there before i'd ever come to america i think there was an article with blazer uh maybe your brother billy griggs they were all doing hill sprints up this up this road at the end of chapman and then I obviously met you when I came out to America, and I kind of worked it. I think you must have told me at the time that's where you lived down there. And so I literally went down there, and it was a bit later on in my pro career, but I used to drive out there from Huntington Beach and do hill sprints up there because that's, yeah, I'd seen it in the magazines. And it was a, I'm sure you did many up there yourself, but it was a, a, um, a steep hill, right? It, it was. And it, it's, it's funny you say that because that, I'd, I'd have to say we probably, Jeff and, and myself, were the originators of that you know, of the, the hill training in that area, because right. at the time, I mean, it, all the way to the early 80s, like Tommy Brackens used to come over to the house. Charles Townsend stayed at, stayed at our house for, wow. for a summer. I remember meeting Tim March. He, Greg Hill brought him oh, to the door. Oh, really? They like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, probably mid, mid, oh, 84 maybe. And yeah, I, exactly. I had to look straight up to the sky to see him. And Right. <laughs> but um, you yeah. know, on and on. You know, Blazer did move down the street. He he lived uh, down the street from us, and he trained there. And you know, Billy would go up there and do. Billy Griggs would go up and, and do hill sprints and all that. So that was a yeah. That was that was kind of the mecca there for training. Yeah, well, especially the, like like I was, I was in Huntington Beach, and it was the same for anybody in Huntington Beach. There's no hills there, so 
I literally got in my yeah, got in my truck at the time, and when I want to do some hills, um, I would go and uh, yeah, drive down to Orange and uh, park at the end of that street, and and yeah, it's like because I'd seen it in the magazines. I'm like, well, it's good enough for them. It's good enough for me, you know. So um, yeah, I was always I was always always thought of that, and I always thought of you when I was was down there, you know. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, so tell us a little bit about after that then. So you kind of red line was next, right after CW? How did CW come to an end and and um, yeah, moving into Redline, right? Yeah, so the CW came to an end, 89, which was RevCore, turned into RevCore. And then, funny story, I, I think in 1990 or 91, the owner of, of those companies, Roger Warsham, went into selling, um, making and selling mass murder trading cards. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he was on Oprah or Donahue at the time. <laughs> and and uh, this is the guy that I went to England with. But um, anyway, so... I kind of was on in a lull, 89, end of 89, early 90. I, I wrote, wrote for Robinson for the, at the Grands in 89, and, uh, and I don't know what happened with that. But anyway, I, was, I, I wrote for Mike Redman um, in the early 90s, or actually early 1990, the first few races. And then Billy Griggs had gotten a budget with Redline. He was, he was their only rider, I think, or, or definitely the head of the brand for a couple of years, and I think when Seattle Bike Supply came in, they got a budget, and he asked if I would ride for for Redline, and uh, that was a full factory deal right away, and and that was that was awesome. Those were fun years. I rode from for Redline from 1990 to 94, so five years. Before you turned pro, then who were some of the guys you're battling with in amateur? Is it still same in he and um, Thunder Dan maybe? Um, no, Thunder. Thunder Dan was a year and a half older than I was. I never raced him, but I did race in he. Uh, I raced Mike Luna. Okay, Luna, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he was a, a GT rider, and he was he was awesome. And um, he he was a he was Nick Libertor, um, Corky Gainsford, okay, Chris Schoonover in the later years, were um, some of my competitors. So yeah, ninety was was good, and then nineteen ninety one is the year that I lost the amateur title by one point. So tell us about and, that. Okay, that was that was a tough one. I so I had a good year, went into the grands with a shot at the 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 ABA national title, which for an amateur that's the title to have. Mm -hmm. And um, I was fifteen X, fifteen expert, and really I think the only person that could score more points than me was Mike Luna. So I, I raced my race and I, I had lane eight in my in the main. And in those years that's when Clayton would stop the stop the race, you know, put as much pressure as he could on on the riders that, that could win the title. And you know, you sit there and just a just just a ball of nerves. But I did what I had to do. I, I got second in the main behind Corky Gainsford. I, I had a shot to pass him in the last turn, but but I Kind of held back because it would have. I knew I didn't have to to get first to have a chance. Mm -hmm. And then Mike Luna was was the next year. He was uh, 16. He, so his his race was next. And if he won, if he got first place, he would have he would gotten the title, as far as I knew. And so he's in fourth place throughout the whole race. Oh, you like I was. <laughs> yeah. So all, all my all my friends and and you know teammates and all that are just around me jumping up and down jumping up and down <laughs> and he he goes that guy such a crafty racer he he high lows three people in the last turn oh. and blows up the guy in first 
and uh, it was a borderline dirty move. Who was it? Do you remember? John Rana. Okay, I think I read about this. So, and then he he gets first, and so you know, oh, I, I lost the title, and and then they stop the races, and there's si- there's silence for about thirty minutes. Wow. And and uh, and because it, it was it was a dirty move, you know, it was it it, it could have gone either way. One of those, you know, take it or leave it. it, it disqualified or not flip of a coin i i watched it over and over and over and and it was an awesome pass but but it was you know it was borderline dirty so 30 30 minutes i don't know amount of time goes by they disqualify him right (laughs) i'm jumping up and down again won the title and and i don't know if they're older amateurs that could have beat me or not i I don't recall but this is how i remember it and uh and then (laughs) And then they they run the rest of the races, and I'm I'm the leader in, in points, and, and it's over. And then they get up, Clayton gets on the mic and and said Zach Roebuck wins the title by wow. one point. Wow. So he was in fifth place, and the whole carnage happened, and then he ends up getting first, and um, and he he beat me by one point, and that was a, that was a whole controversy in itself. But oh hey. wow, yeah. So that was uh that was that was memorable for sure. Oh, what a bummer! So yeah, I remember reading uh, Zach because obviously it, it was it wasn't it was it was a good writer, but he wasn't known in the magazines as much as maybe you guys, the SoCo guys, obviously because he was uh, Texas, right? Right, exactly. I don't even think he was a factory writer at that time. Wow. So what happened after that then? So uh, yeah, tell us about your uh, yeah. You continue. So you stayed on Redline, right? Because I the, we actually raced a couple years later. Then when I came over, raced Eight Pro. We raced. A pro together. I think I met you at Reno, and you just turned a pro. So we raced each other at the Grands. I seem to remember in the Miu Sanchez. Uh, we're in the A pro main, probably ninety four. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So I think I met you. It was was it nineteen ninety two or ninety three? When did you come over? I came over in ninety two, um, and then I went home, <laughs> and I came back for that Grands. Yeah, and uh, so I have I have this memory of. My mom and I flying to Reno. Yes, I remember that as well. I met you guys at the airport, right? Yes. Yeah, we had a layover in Sacramento or San yeah. Francisco or something. And, and right. was it you were with Marco? Uh, no, I, I think I had just come from Florida. We'd been in Florida with Gary Dose for a couple of weeks. Uh, so it had been my friend Paul Roberts, who you know, Paul. Was it Paul? I okay, think it was so Paul, yeah. So you guys had this 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 nudie magazine that you bought. Oh, I don't remember that. It must have been Paul. It would have <laughs> been Paul, yeah. It was Paul. You guys <laughs> yeah. were checking it out. It was Victoria's Secret magazine and <laughs> and and then you and then we, we met each other. You you guys were, you know, so friendly and nice and right. um and, and and I think Paul said, Do you want it? I'm like, sure. So I took it and <laughs> <laughs> and I was hiding it from my mom the whole week, and I had it tucked under my bag. Last <laughs> week, oh, so I do remember meeting you on that on that layover. Yeah, but like I say, you was probably still amateur then. And then when I came back, uh, you know, in '94 for that Grands, that's when we raced for the first time. It was me, yeah, you, Sanchez, was, Cecil Johns. It was '93, so '92 okay. was I was 16 and '92, mm-hmm. and you know, Redline, and at that time, Mike King. Had Billy Griggs and Mike King had switched over from Haro to Redline and Redline to Haro. So, so I ninety two was no, actually that was ninety one with Mikey, uh, Mike King, and then ninety two again was Mike King, and then he he was struggling with energy or with injuries, and um, I think he was kind of had his eyes set on mountain bikes. So 
I I kind of slowly became over that year became like the face of Redline and the head guy. And at the end of the year, they they let everybody go except me. So 1993, I was the only person on Redline, and I was an amateur, 17x. And and during that year, that's when I had that um, that ad on the back of all the magazines with jumping in the air with that suspension fork, that cheesy su- suspension I fork. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 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 it was cool. You know, I had I had coverage. The you know I was in every on the back of every magazine. They they bought the they bought the spot. So that was that was pretty awesome. Uh-huh. And um, but anyway, so ninety three at this point, I I had been racing for 11, 12 years straight, and I was burnt out. And I was a, a junior in high school, and I was you know starting to get into other things, and just just didn't really have the drive. And you know, guys like yourself were coming over and 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 training and getting fast and. So I was just kind of in that in that crossroads, and and so after the fall nationals in '93, I decided to turn pro at 17. So that's the race you're talking about, the the ABA Grands in '93. I, I turned pro. That was my first race as pro. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I remember because Cecil Johns, I think he'd reclassified or he'd quit for a couple yeah. of years, and he came back, but he was really fast. I remember in that main. Yeah, that main. So did you win? Yes, it was uh, between me and Cecil going into the last main, but luckily, or not luckily, I, I just, yeah, maybe luckily, but yeah, I, I got him in the last one just, but I remember we battled pretty pretty good all, all three mains, and uh, yeah, I remember you, Sanchez, and uh, Scott Yokelet, I think maybe as well, right, in that main? Yeah, I think you're right, and Sanchez was, was up there too, I think he got third or fourth. Yeah, I remember it was tough. So then 94, 1994, the next year, I, I raced some, some races, and, and I turned into double A. But I, my heart wasn't in it, into it. I, I was just burnt out. I was graduating from high school. I was playing in a band, and um, my brother was racing a dragster, and I just had other interests. I, I didn't have the drive that it took. I didn't want to work that hard to be good. So um, midway through the year, I, I quit. And, um, and, and at the time, uh, like Redline was begging me to race, and. I didn't. I just didn't have it in me. And then so they picked up Justin Green, and he was for as a double A, and he was good for a year or two until he got hurt. Mm-hmm. But um, so that was that for the Redline years. Yeah, no, I remember Justin Green. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, he and again, he he raced double A, maybe ninety five, and then he was he was gone pretty quick as well, wasn't he? Yeah. I think he blew out his back. Is what happened. Injuries. Okay. Okay, so when did it all start to come back around for you there? I know I was already in the, the thick of double-A racing, and then you kind of started to creep back in there, and then um, you linked up with probably Tony D, right? You guys were pretty good friends. Yeah, Tony D and I were good friends through the Redline years. We had uh, become buddies, and he used to pick me up from high school, and we'd go down to Mike Redmond's uh, gym with, where, where Pistol Pete lived and, and get our train on and all that stuff, but... Anyway, so I, I, I didn't race in 95 or 96. I, I, was, I thought I was done. And um, in early 1997, Tony and I still talked throughout that, those years. Well, no, actually, he, no, he had gone to New Zealand for four years. So he might have left in, in about 92 to New Zealand. And he came back and had that Haro job right. in early 97 or, or late 96, I believe. So he talked me into racing. Um, I think it was the the that that national in Santa Barbara in '97, early in the year, and I raced a pro. He he lined up a job uh, a ride with Bill Ryan for me, and Bill was paying entries and stuff. And 
a couple races in, I, I got into it and I, I wanted to, I think at that time too, my dad, you know, I was 21 years old or so. And he, he's like, look, son, you, you either need to take this seriously or you need to get a job. <laughs> and, and I was going to school, I was going to college, but I was only going to, you know, a couple classes here and there. And, and I just, I wasn't taking anything seriously. So I, I just decided after a couple of races had, had some success in a pro and I just decided to, to give it my all. And, um, I turned double a pro, which is the top dog pro class. And, in, in the middle of 1997, I remember Stockton, I made my first main, I got fifth place the next weekend in Vegas, I got a, a sixth and I thought I was in the game and feeling good about myself. And then I didn't make another main event for another year. Oh, I just got, yeah, I got my ass handed to me. And, and just, I, I mean, the reality was you guys had progressed, you know, the pro class at that time had gotten so competitive mm -hmm. and there were 20, 25 guys from all around the world that were just amazing writers that, that devoted their life, you know, and, and, and I, and I look at it, you know, if you think about how big Orange Y was in its heyday, I was the only, after Billy Griggs had retired, you know, and Matt Hayden was an hour up the up the road in, in Azusa area, I was the only writer from Orange, the Orange Y area. And, you know, all you guys had moved down to Huntington Beach and this and that, but, you know, it's just the, the times had, had changed and the training had gotten so intense and, you know, Christoph had had come in and, and, and dominated and, you know, it just got so competitive. So I, I had, I had a huge hill, hill to climb, but, um, I remember towards the end of 1997, we were at orange track and Eric Carter was there with his trainer at the time. And, um, his, this guy Val, and he was from Latvia. Yeah. He I heard a, of him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. So my dad started talking to Eric and, and Val and, and signed me up on the program. And the next day I went and bought a road bike and it, that was, and, and I, I thought I'd trained before, right. but that was a whole different world. So I, I got in, in on the program and was on the road bike five days a week, probably putting in 150 miles a week, ended up race. He would have us race that, this crit race at the, pa the Pasadena Rose, Rose Bowl and uh, just super intense stuff. But that's kind of what got me to the level of, of being competitive through 1998 and then at the 90, 98 grands grand nationals in November, I made the main and I got fifth place, which was, you know, for me, that was huge. That was huge behind I mean, at the grands as well. I mean, that's toughest race of yeah, the year, you know? It, yeah, it was, you know, behind Tom, Tomas and, and Christoph and, and I, I think, um, you know, McPherson was, was fast back then and purse was fast. And, and so that was a big deal. And, and, uh, Huffy, picked me up for the 1999 season. I, I had a, had Coley put in a good word for me with Rich, Rich Vidiello and, um, double AP put in a good word for me. And, and so I got that ride and that was, that was a big deal for me. I, I was really, really, you know, just proud and excited to, to get to that level. And then, you know, raced another four or five years. I mean, the Huffy team then, you know, so it was been you, Wildman, Sanchez on, um, Kmart. Yeah, San yeah, Chris Sanchez was on Kmart and Nasty. nasty yeah, Nasty. And that, that was a fun year. Jimmy Levan, I think, was the maybe dirt jumper as well, right? The first I think year? He, maybe, maybe the year before he was. Okay, but still, I was like, yeah, everything has come back around. The money was there. And yeah, you was part of that whole 
Puffy had a big, uh, big semi, you know, truck rig, and um, yeah, he was definitely part of something good. So, how was? Uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about the uh, the Huffy days. So the Huffy days, I that it was, was my. <laughs> yeah, that was a good that was a good time for me. As Scott Toth was the team manager, and to this day, he's still a friend. And Chris Sanchez is a good friend of this day, and it was just a lot of fun. The Wild Man rode mountain bikes with him about a month ago. But it was just a good group of guys, and Stumpy, of course, Randy Stumphauser. Of course, yeah, yeah. And uh, I had I had some good races. That Ontario ABA race, the, the what was it, the, the Winter Nationals? I don't know if that's not the Winter Nationals, but it was anyway, like that the, was... You won all three mains or a whole shot at all? You, I remember you was just killing it there, right? Yeah, so I whole shot at all three mains, which which means I, you know, got to the first turn first in all three mains. The first main, Kristoff passed me in the in the second or third turn and put me back to fourth. And the second main, I I won the main. Third main, me, Kristoff, no, it was me, Romero, and McPherson went in with four points or five points, and I was whole shot it again, leading all the way to the last turn and and. Uh, McPherson dove on me and passed me and then Romero got underneath and I got third place but uh, that was probably my shining moment as a double a that was that was a uh, that night I was I was pretty fast but just just got out you know outwitted outsmarted I mean that race was the start of, it was kind of like Phoenix time so it was like as Jason Richardson would love to say it was like the coming out the season really started the start of the outdoor season everybody I mean every SoCal national was was tough and still is now but Back then, it was like the first real big, along with Phoenix, first big big race of the year. So I, I remember everybody was there, and yeah, you was you was killing it there. Yeah. So then the next race, or maybe about two or three races after that, we were in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and I was uh, the first main event on a Saturday, I believe. Yeah, it was on a Saturday. I was in third place around the first turn, and I hit this triple. I don't know what happened, but but I got knocked out, and I was knocked out for about three hours. Oh wow! And yeah, and they and they airlift. No, they didn't airlift me, but they ambulance me to El Paso, which was about an hour hour and a half away. And I didn't wake up until I was in the CAT scan machine. I didn't even know this. No. Yeah, so that was that was a, a pretty pretty crazy time because. I, I had bleeding on the brain. That was a big, the big deal then. Wow. And so they, they kept me overnight in the hospital. And me and Chris Sanchez will talk about it to this day. But I guess they, I don't remember this, but 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 Chris and, and Wildman and Randy came in. And I guess I was begging them to sneak me out of the hospital <laughs> and just like, get me out of here, get me out of here. And then the next morning, I I pretty much broke out of the hospital and caught a plane home. <laughs> but... um. But anyway, so recovered from that, and um, I think. <laughs> yeah, I never, never knew that. Yeah, as I'll say, I'd have been, I would have probably even been at that race. I didn't know that happened. Yeah, I don't know if there was any video or anything of it, and I don't know what happened. I don't know how I. It crashed. was windy there. That place was always windy, so. It was. Maybe it was. Caught some wind there, you know. So, Huffy, how did that? Um, yeah, how did that come? You know, finish and then move on to the next one. Which would have so, been tomorrow, I think. so Huffy was the la my last race for Huffy was the Fall Nationals at, at Lake Paris, and again that was one of my best races as a Double A pro, and I that was the night that so I I, I 
Yeah, well, I won. I remember winning my quarter and maybe first or second in my semi, and that's the night that the lights went out. If yes, you remember. yes, yes. So I made the main, and then the lights went out, and I and so me and the wild man went went back to our Roach Hotel and came back, and the first race of the morning was were the mains. First main, yeah. And uh, I got I got second overall that day, and made, <laughs> and then the first moto. After that, which was the fourth race of the day for, for the next day, that's, that sounds confusing, but Eric Abadessa was was in my moto, and he was cutting over down the first straight, and going into the first turn, he, he crashed us both, and so I get up, he's still on the ground, he throws his helmet off, I get up, and I kick I kick out on his helmet, <laughs> and it rolls all the way over the, the berm into the, into the last straight. And he, <laughs> he yells at me. So I didn't think anything of it, you know, and the race goes on, make the main for the Sunday race and, and the third main, the last main on Sunday, going into the last turn. I think I was sixth or seventh place. And I, I, out of the corner of my eye, I see this guy lining me up. And I've never been blown apart, taken out, crashed harder in my life. I felt like I, felt like I flew 50 feet in the air. Right. And, uh, so I, so I get up and I'm pissed and, you know, I got old school, you know, brawler in me. So I had, yeah, yeah. I take, take my shirt off and I remember this. Yeah. You and, know, nobody, it, it, and at the time for people that don't know, nobody had really sized up to Abadessa, at least in my, when I've been there, he's a big guy and definitely, uh, yeah, he was a bit of a scary guy to, to be around or even be yeah racing with. So yeah, I remember seeing that. I'm like, Oh my God, Jason's going to have a go. Yeah, so Eric, yeah, for those who don't know, this guy is, you know, a great, you know, looking guy, just muscles and <laughs> and and here's me trying to get in his face and thank God he didn't want to fight me back. <laughs> and uh and so that was that was that. And then I so I I got home and the next day I get a call from Rich Vidiello, who was the manager that who headed up the effort for Huffy. And the only time I got a call from him was usually when I did good, had a good weekend. And so, you know, I'm thinking, cool, he's, you know, we're having a conversation. And he goes, hey, buddy, you know, in his maf- mafioso voice, <laughs> tells me that the budget's gone for Huffy and I don't have a sponsor. So my first call, I think no sooner did I hang up, I called Tony D. And Tony, Tony says, all right, hang on, hang on. He calls me an hour or two later. All right, here's your deal. Fifteen hundred a month, full factory ride on Haro, uh, and you know I, I had a had a great you know good deal for me. You know that was that was awesome. And but and then Rich Videlo calls me a couple days later, and said, Hey buddy, I got your ride back. You, you're all set for for two, the year two thousand. And I said, Sorry, Rich, I, I signed with Haro. And he's like, Come on, come on. And I said, Yeah, I, I did. I'm, uh, but thank you. And and he asked me to race the the ABA Grands, which that for nineteen ninety nine that was the last race of the year. So I raced for Haro. I mean I raced for Huffy. Tony wanted me to race to, to ride for Haro at that race and but I, I just wanted to finish it out and yeah. went on to Haro. But anyway, back to the Eric Abadessa thing. So that it's funny you say that because I, I, I watched on, on YouTube or something the some motos from that from that weekend, the ABA Grands. Mm-hmm. And there's six, seven motos of riders that are just amazing riders. It's just amazing how, how talented that 
the pro class was at that time, 1999, 2000. And you just just you know, rider after rider after rider. You know, you can sit here and name twenty-five guys that were that were competitive and 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 just just great, you know, talented riders. But anyway, so the funny thing is, is a, a couple months later, the magazines are always a couple couple months away from reporting a race, and so they do the Grands Edition, Snap Magazine does, and that's when Eric Abadessa comes out and and tells t- tells the world he was on steroids. Mm-hmm. So come to find out, I tried to fight a guy that was juiced up, and, <laughs> and but I mean, you know, God bless Eric. He's he's the only one in the world that, that would confess that that he did something, and and he owned it, and he's one of the nicest people in the world. And you know, if I saw him on the street, I give him a give him a hug because he's a good dude for sure. Yeah, he was fast at that grands. He didn't win, but he should have. He, uh, I think he got like one, one, and then blew it in one of the mains. And I think that's the year Christoph probably won and then won the title. It was the last straight with a big double, I think, right? Uh, yeah, I think I think so. But yeah, he was he was hauling ass that year. He was fast. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he kind of. I think he was on standard at the time. And I, I'm not sure if standard let him go or not without doing some research. I think they might have. And I think yeah, Eric kind of. I think he kind of disappeared after that. Um, yeah, I had a running with him as well but yeah he wanted to fight me and i was out of there <laughs> christmas class. It was around the same time christmas classic he uh with myself i passed him in the semi for fourth and a little aggressive and at the finish line he wanted to rip my head off and i'm like this is one uh, guy i don't want to fight so yeah smarter I, than i am yeah. <laughs> so um all right so moving into haro tell us a little bit about that you definitely had a second wind um with haro yeah and putting some good good results and you as teammates with uh tomahawk and uh, obviously jamie right yeah jamie staff and kevin tomko we were the three pros and there's a couple other riders in the mix throughout the year but um that was that was a lot of fun i I moved in with with jamie he had just bought a place down in south orange county at that time I, i moved in with him got on his training program you know, Jamie's one of the nicest guys you ever meet, and and, uh, and so an we awesome. were we were probably doing the same stuff because I started training with Cully in '98, '99. So who, my great friend Lewis, who will actually download this podcast, he does all my downloads and all my websites. One of my greatest friends, um, Lewis, who I met through Cully, and I know Cully started helping Jamie, and you lived in with Jamie. So we were all probably doing the same thing, even though we didn't know, right? I think we were. And I, I remember try, trying to keep up with Jamie on the weights, and it was it was just it was impossible. I mean, he was a monster, but yeah, he had a he had a squat rack in the garage, and right, I remember. we'd go out there and, and try and blow out our backs. Right. But uh, yeah, and Coley too. Coley was up lived up the road. We did a lot of road rides together, and mm. a lot of gym stuff together, and and, uh, and you know, I I, I definitely felt the the benefits there for a while all the way up the first half of the year of t- the year 2000 on haro I, I did really well made a lot of mains um you know got to travel did that tours race in france oh, i remember you did didn't you? yeah 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 i made the main there um i think i got fifth in the main which to me was <laughs> that was that was a hard race though because a lot of great. people from here went over there and then obviously you'd have all the fast euro guys and french guys on that track were always tough you know Absolutely, and and the track was so technical too. It was right before, you know, the the Europeans had had really, you know, progressed skill wise. I think before the Americans did, and and going to that track, it was like, you know, the the transitions on the jumps, the backs, there, there were no backsides, and the and the jumps were so steep, and and 
you know, just trying to flow through all that. It was, it was pretty intense, but that was, that was a lot of fun. That was a good result. And, um, yeah, so I, you know, had a, had a great time that year and up until we all clipped in and, and everyone, you know, that, that race in Lemoore, California was, was probably May or so. And that, that was the race that yes. everybody decided Romero. to clip in. Everybody, What's that? For, everybody except for Romero. Romero was, or Romero was the only flat pedal guy in the main. I remember that. And then he clipped in a week or two later, I seem to remember. So was you in for the clips or not then? So you weren't really feeling it, right? I didn't want to. And I, for whatever reason, from that point afterwards, I, I was never the same. I just, I didn't transition like you guys did on clips. I didn't, I just didn't have success really after that. I don't know why. I started having back problems and I don't know if that's related or not. I don't know if it's because I was trying to squat a thousand pounds with Jamie or, <laughs> or what, but that was, that was, that wasn't a good thing for me. But you know, to this day I, I'm clipped in, I ride mountain bikes a lot still for fun, recreation. I ride some road and I, I love being clipped in, but at the time it was so foreign and it just was a hard transition, you know, doing something, you know, for those who don't know, you, you're, you know, we grew up on flat pedals and, and with a, with the Vans type of shoe, a skate shoe. And, and then at that race, everyone clipped in where you're locked into the pedals. And it, it was, it was just a, a big transition for me that I, I never really quite, you know, got a hang of and felt comfortable on, you know, for the rest of my pro career. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, but throughout the summer, it was a great, it was a lot of fun. You know, we were, we were uh, teammates with Dave Mara and, and Ryan Nyquist and we had a big budget. We traveled and, you know, Tony D would, we talk about it to this day, but he was, you know, Tony's, Tony's big thing was he couldn't get wait, couldn't wait to get back to the hotel and, and go to the bar and have a couple beers. <laughs> so he would always drag me along and, you know, have a few beers before the race. At night. <laughs> you guys were asleep at eight o'clock and you know, we, used to, we used to talk about that, but it was, it was a fun time. You know, we went to Woodward for, in Pennsylvania for the X games and we stayed back there for like 10 days and, and rode all the, the park stuff and the, and the, the resi mats and the foam pits back when that was kind of in its infancy and, and learned tricks and, um, you know, did events where we were, we were sponsored by Lee jeans and we'd go to, to events and, you know, let's see Tony Hawk and all these superstars just kind of riding, riding mirror Nyquist's coattails. It was a blast. And, and no, uh, no fear, right? That was pretty big then, right? Yeah, with horror, right? Yeah, so McGrath. Yeah. So no fear. Tell us about no fear. Cause I know Tony, you know, told me you guys got so much stuff, right? Then you get like carts down there and just load it up. We would. So No Fear was just down the street from Haro, and they were our apparel company, and, and we would go down there, I think, quarterly basis or actually whenever we wanted to, and we would we would get these huge carts and just fill up unlimited budget clothes, and then we'd go get jerseys made. I, I still, To this day, I have a, a McGrath jersey 1-800-COLLECT with my name on the back. I have a couple of them that says Donnell. That's right. And it was yeah it was awesome that was that was a full factory ride for sure that was that was fun yeah so then after haro pro concept and that was kind of winding down your career right yeah it was so the end of um the haro days we had we went to new zealand i think in november for a couple of weeks with uh with mira nyquist and me and the tomahawk and that was fun we raced kamikaze and jamie gray 
and we had won the 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 U.S. thing, which was a big deal. I don't know if you ever did any of that, but that I never was, did that. But I remember reading you guys going over there. Yeah, it was like three guys from a bunch of countries, right? Yeah, it was. I think it was Australia, New Zealand, and America. And so we were over there for for I think ten days, but it was just a big party. It was it was a blast. And and then we got back, went to the Grands, and um, I think right before that, the the Haro budget got cut. Um, Tony helped negotiate a deal with Answer and Pro Concept for me, and um, I actually doubled my salary, and and things were great. And the, the next two years, I was in Answer Pro Concept, Answer Pro Concepts, but my um, yeah, just the, the last two years, my results weren't great. I, I like I said, it clipped in whatever it was, was just kind of regressing those last two years I you know the, the new generation was coming up Kyle Bennett and you know Bubba the next year and uh, you know I made some mains and, and and you know gave it my all but it was kind of the writing was on the wall for me but pro concept that was kind of a kind of like a, a new school uh, not as obviously budget I know it was big budget but not like it was kind of like a GT all these badass amateurs started riding for this team right so you gotta tell us some of those younger kids that all went into have you know good careers and, and still in BMX, some of these guys. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great time. It was, yeah, you're right. It was very similar to the early days where it was a big amateur effort and I was, I was the pro for them. Uh, and the amateurs at the time, you know, I didn't even know them, any of them until I got on the team and I got to know the amateurs and got to know their families. And it was a really neat time. But, um, you know, David Herman was on that, on that team. He went on to be, you know, make the Olympics. There was, uh, um, Danny Kellogg, who won an ABA pro title. There was um, Chris Fox, who's just wow, a Fox. badass. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a badass, you know, street ripper to this day. Just awesome style. And it's funny because I remember in those days he was a 13-year-old kid getting thirds and fourths, but he would always go, hey, JD, check check me out on, on this triple. And he'd go jump something that no one had jumped all day. And, you know, that was his – his whole goal was to jump something that was, you know, <laughs> that no one else could. Right. And, and to this day, you know, he's he's it's awesome like, to watch. Yeah. Yeah, he's like the the next coming of of the of Brian Foster, yeah. as far as style and and all that. And then there was um Brabant. Bra yeah. Well, yeah, Brabant, and then Ricky Brabeck, Brabeck, who uh, is like a superstar rally motorcycle rider, rides for Factory Honda, doing the Dakar Rally. Um, he was on that team. So it was just full of just really, really talented kids that went on to do good things. Jared Garcia as well, maybe when he And was, Jared Garcia, yeah. yeah, he was six expert. That's right. He was a six expert and, and that's right. He was on that team too. Yeah, I think uh, John Smart as well. When he was he your teammate? Because I see him he's back in the he's, I see him back at the races. Um, he's coaching a bunch of people. So I want John Smart on Pro Concepts or was he after you? John was I think he was the year before me. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I saw, yeah, I saw John. He came out to my dealership uh, about a month ago. Oh. I hadn't seen him in years. Is he back yeah, in California then? I think he's up in Oregon. Okay, I know he's training. somewhere, somewhere around. Yeah, I see him at a few races now. He's training a bunch of guys. So, shout out to John if he's listening to this. Um, so yeah, wind it down. How did how did your your career and what made you decide to call it a day? And um, yeah. So the end of two thousand two, I was I. I I was uh, just not really having much fun racing anymore. I was kind of getting my ass kicked and, and, and not really putting the results in. But I was still trying. 
And um, but at the same time, I I was always into music. I was I played guitar for probably ten years prior to that, and and my I always aspired to be in a band. And um, I had this opportunity. A, a good friend of mine was lead guitar player for this really really good indie rock band in out of Long Beach at the time, and and a spot opened up for bass player. So I tried out, and I and I got the you know, I got to be in the band, and this was right before the 2002 ABA Grands. So I was just really kind of f- focused on that, as well as I was trying to finish my college degree and get my business degree, which I ended up graduating graduating in 2003. Um, so anyway, but not a lot of people know this, but um, I had a deal lined up in 2003 to go racing. Um, my buddy Larry Mirsch who you probably remember him as well. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a, a really good amateur and went on to be a, 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 a drag racer that's still doing it today and has had a lot of success. But he had a, a contact with AAA, you know, the insurance company, the tow company? Yeah. And, um, yeah, so he, he, had, he helped me get a deal with them where – I, we, we had a full presentation. I, I did this, this, uh, this, um, you, you know, portfolio deal and resume and all this. And I had a contract on my desk to, to, that they would pay me a couple grand a month wow. to, you know, to be sponsored by them, but I would have to do schools kind of like you do. Right. And, and it was for bicycle safety. Oh, wow. And, and so I lined up a frame deal with Bill Ryan at Supercross and, I was ready to go racing in 2003, pretty much a full factory deal. And at that time, that's kind of when the sponsorship got a little tight too. And, um, but my heart wasn't in it. And I, at the last minute I pulled the plug, I didn't sign the contract and I know Larry was bummed. He was really bummed cause he put a lot into it. Bill Ryan was bummed because I mean, to have triple a, you know, yeah. a like that to be a part of your brand, you know, his brand, that was and that's something that you pretty- could have really grown as well. In fact, Larry, if you if you're listening to this, um, you still got <laughs> that contact. <laughs> yeah, seriously, 15 years later or whatever it is, but it, yeah. it could have been a good opportunity, and I felt a little guilty, mm-hmm. and I felt a lot guilty for for giving it up. But I, I just I I I did. I let it go, and I, I joined the band. We went on tour for you know a couple months in the summertime. Went on a U.S. tour. I got to fill a bucket list. You know, item, and I uh, got that out of my system, and <laughs> and all that, and that was it. What was that the name was, of the band? It was called the John Wilkes Kissing Booth. The what? The John Wilkes Kissing Booth. Oh, cool. Now, how long do you guys carry on doing that then? Did you like still do it a little bit after that for part time, or? Um, we did it for a year. The band broke up, and then the lead singer, who's still active today as a as a touring poet. Um, and in that little world, he's still a really big name, but we. We did a band together for a couple of years after that, and I recorded music and stuff. And actually, one of my songs was in a props video oh. that they featured on that. That was that, that was in 2006, and it had like Chase Hawk in it and Mikey Aiken, and and they, you know, the whole intro was my song, and then one of their their parts were my songs. It was pretty awesome. That was like a that was a that was a notch on my belt for sure. Do you know which one it was? Because I'm sure that stuff's all on YouTube, right? Yeah, it was Road Fools 15, I believe. Oh, we'll check that out. Yeah, super cool. So, what about that? So then you was pretty much just done with BMX. Did you ride a bike still, or was um, yeah? What did you uh, after after you finished racing? You know, was you 
still hitting trails and stuff or are you just totally down? Yeah, I, I still rode. I remember 2003, I finished up my, my business degree at Cal State Fullerton and I'd ride my bike to school just because I like to ride my bike and, you know, do manuals and, and nose bonks. And that's about my trick repertoire right there. That's that's about all I know. But um, and then I got into mountain bikes about a year later. And, and I to this day, I don't go probably four or five days without going on a mountain bike ride or a road ride. I still ride all the time. I love it. And I, I think I, I, I love riding more now than, than I ever did just because I don't have to do it. Right. Yeah. I can relate to that. It's definitely. And who do you ride? You ride with Cully still, right? I do. I ride with Dave Cullinan, the Culligan man, quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> still still uh, good buddies with that guy. Yeah. And uh, he just did a podcast, by the way. I don't know if you've heard I it. I listened to it. It was very good. Yeah. I messaged on his Facebook. Um, it was very good. I really enjoyed it. A lot of stuff I didn't even, you know, just about his injury and stuff and his heart and stuff. I didn't realize that. I, I know there was always, it was, you know, a lot of stuff going on, but he really went into detail, you know. So um, definitely good find if you can find it, people. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I didn't, I didn't know a lot of that stuff too. It was really good. But, um, yeah, I ride with him. I ride with, uh, I go to Eric Carter's fog fest, which stands for fat old guys. <laughs> yeah. Every, which you need to do. Darryl. I know he always that. hits me up. I always say I'm going to go. And then I just, I just don't know if I can do it for that. It's like four days. Right? <laughs> you can do it. Yeah, you can do I it. will make it there one year. I know Mike day and everybody go, tell us about Mike day. Cause I know, um, um, or Mike Day messaged me last night when he I put on Instagram. That was it. I messaged last night. I put on Instagram stories that I was doing a podcast with you, and I got a message straight away from Mike Day. It's like, I just want to let you know that you was his first hero. Yeah, that's so, that's an that's an yeah, honor, isn't yeah. it? Super cool. Yeah. So I thought that was good. So he, he listens to all the podcasts, and uh, yeah, he's, he said that you was uh, yeah you'd connected somewhere when he was a little kid, a clinic or something, and uh, yeah. So we just wanted to message me on that which i thought yeah was cool. well I'll, I'll say this mike day silver medalist at the olympics in 08 and just you know one of the one of the most you know gifted and stylish riders ever but um so i was when i was a senior in high school i had a friend who we were just friends and and this this girl and she came up to me one day and she said hey my little cousin got into bmx and um and i'm like cool and, and kept talking about her cousin that's really getting into BMX. And, and then later in the year, she said, can she, she saw that I had a poster, a redline poster. And she said, can I get a, a poster from you? And can you sign it? And I said, sure. So I signed the poster and turns out that little kid was Mike day. That's cool. Yeah. And you guys obviously, cause Mike day does uh fog fest. So that's what I was trying to get at as well. Yeah, he does. So you guys does. probably and have I, a few I, beers and talk about it, right? And I try to find him on the trails and stuff, and I get behind him, and then I, I last about thirty seconds, and he's 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 down the down the hill. Yeah, he's good at that but, stuff uh, as well. Still ripping. <laughs> good stuff. What about um, current racing today, Jason? Do you pay much attention to it, or uh, yeah, what's your views on uh, what you're seeing now? You know, it 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 bums me out because I I I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Supercross. I'm a fan of F1, and I I just if there's access, I'll watch it, you know, and the problem with BMX and in, in my opinion is it's just so hard to follow it. And that's always been a problem, but you'd think with the social, you know, in, in these days and maybe I'm missing something, I don't know, but I, I, I watch it when I can, but it just seems like, um, you know, I, I, I know that, you know, Joris is amazing and Maris is amazing and, 
you know, these kids coming up and, and, and Connor and all that. And I, I try to follow it as much as I can, but I, I can't say that I've been to a race or anything like that personally. But, you know, when I can find it or when I can watch videos, I do. And, and those, you know, the current crop of elites are just incredible. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about, yeah, we didn't really talk about real quick. Some of, some of, who, who was some of the, I guess, from amateurs right through your, you know, pro career, who were some of the people, you know, did you have a few guys that you, you would say your rivals or was it just like, you know, there's so many fast people, it's hard to pick anybody out, but who did you really have, you know, maybe had more battles with over the years? Well, thinking about my generation, it's, it's, it's interesting because in my age group, you know, within a year, two years around me, nobody made it from six, seven year old all the way to pro. You know, there was, there, there was, a, there was kids that had flashes of, you know, two or three years of, of really good results. But I guess I was the only one in, in my generation that went, you know, from, from six expert all the way to double A pros as a factory rider. Um, a couple of years older than, than me was, was like Danny Nelson. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a little bit later, Greg Romero, he, he, you know, obviously those guys went, went on to have phenomenal careers and, and are legends. Um, and you know, Jay Rich later as well. And, um, but they're always, they're, they're, they're a little bit older than me. And then as far as younger than me, there's, there wasn't really anybody younger than me for quite a few years. I mean, here and there, there were some, some guys that, you know, got to double a, but, um, as far as my rivals, um, I'd say probably Mike Luna, in the middle years. Luna never got to pro, right? He retired before pro. Did he maybe a bit of A pro? Yeah, he did A pro and then and then he retired. And that and that's the thing. In, in my in our generation, as we came up and turned pro, that's you know, you you think you're fast until you, you get on the gate with Pistol Pete. Right. Or, you know, Christoph came over and you know, or Boston Beaver comes over and you think you're fast until you you know, Charles turns pro and and you know Terry Tanette and you think you think you're fast until you get on the game with those guys and it's just it's not even close and that was that was the thing for me is when I quit for two years and I, I and I came back it was a it was a big hill for me to climb to get to that point and that was one of my biggest achievement achievements is making it as a you know a career journeyman double a pro for those five years because it was you know it was a, it was a huge challenge but I don't know the answer to your question I mean that those are those are uh there was always people that were my competitors, but, you know, I could, I, I, every year it seemed like it changed. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I say, and, and you're one of the few guys, yeah, just appeared at the magazines in a, a young age, right, and, and was basically factory all the way through your career, so it's definitely, uh, not many guys can say that. Um, I was talking to Tony D a couple of days ago, I was talking about your podcast with Tony, and I guess uh, <laughs> he's going to try and line up Sanchez, um, hopefully soon. Uh, you, you, you still hang out with Sanchez? You still see him a little bit? I do. I mean, Chris Sanchez and, and our wives actually went to the, the Stones versus the Beatles concert. Oh, you a couple did? nights ago, yeah. Wow. And, uh, What's he up to? <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's Chris Sanchez. The right. same, and for those of you who don't know, Chris Sanchez was a, a very talented writer and very laid back and relaxed and funny. And mm-hmm. I think he's the one that – I think he made – he had the biggest – financial weekend in, in the history right he, yeah he yeah won the triple crown series and took home like 80 grand 60 but, i think it was i think he got two seconds over the weekend and the overall so it was between yeah probably with, with i think maybe prize money just for that would have been 50 60 and then whatever bonuses obviously he was on um yeah the good times at uh huffy 
uh, yeah, part of that that deal. So yeah, I'm sure it was. Uh, yeah, it's got to be probably the richest uh, win, I would say, right? I think so for BMX racing, that's for sure. But um, yeah, he's doing he's doing great. He he actually he and I went to Sheep Hills uh, and Tony D uh, a few months ago and right. got through the kid the, the little kid pack and that's about as far as we got. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. Last time I went there as well, it was about a couple <laughs> couple little things and I was done. But uh, Jason, it was awesome talking to you, and uh, I definitely want to hook up with you and uh, Cully. And I know um, on a mountain bike ride at some point, I know. A bunch of those guys go up, Jason Richardson and them guys go up to Temecula once in a while and hook up. They've got like a little Facebook group. I think you're on there as well, right? Um, yeah, I am. Let's do it, Dale. Yeah, no, I definitely want to get a bit more, get a bit more uh, cross-country back in. And uh, yeah, it'd be great to catch up with you guys. So yeah, let's close it. Any last words? Any shout outs? Anything you want to say? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it, it's an honor to be on your podcast, Dale. I'm glad I got to, you know, there's a lot of us that had really really unique careers in the sport but you know to get to share my little slice of history in the sport i was in it for 20 years and and uh and uh hope i did a good job t- telling the story but Absolutely. it was it was a lot of fun and as far as shout outs you know of course my parents um my, my dad and i we run a, a car dealership that i, I started that, yeah. Fi- yeah 15 years ago we're still doing that you know my wife helps uh does more than help she she runs the show and and she's awesome my my two little boys who are you know we ride bikes all the time we we uh we have a lot of fun you know riding bikes and motorcycles and all that and you know excited for them to listen to this down the road one day when they can kind of mm-hmm. um you know have a l- little bit more perspective of of things and um other than that dale just just shout out to all all my all my peers out there, thank you for listening, and um, hope to catch up with some of you soon. Absolutely. And if anybody needs a car, how did they get hold of you? Because I know you have sold a lot of cars to a lot of uh, former and current racers, right? <laughs> yeah, we have. Yeah, we're Car Credit Auto Group. Car Credit Auto Group. We're in city of Corona, right off the 91 freeway, kind of by Pro Circuit. I've been there for 10 years, um, and uh, just come come by. Let's try and hook you up. All right. Jason, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, Dale. Thanks.